over from his filmography, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. We talked about it for like a solid hour and a half previously. Uh, I don't remember what episode number it is, but I encourage all your listeners to go back. Uh, maybe it's on your Patreon. I don't know. Um, Damn. <laughs> Patreon. <laughs> Good God. So we'll skip to the first non-Jay and Silent Bob movie he ever made, where after pseudo-retiring the characters after Strike Back, he wanted to make go in a different direction, do something that was more sentimentality than pure goofy comedy, kind of the, uh, you know, bouncing across the spectrum from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back to something more heartfelt. Uh, and we go to Jersey Girl from 2004. Uh, it stars Ben Affleck, George Carlin again, and Liv Tyler uh, and Raquel Castro plays the daughter, the the little girl. It also involves uh, Jason Biggs and, of course, Jennifer Lopez. This movie came out at the height of Benifer. It did. Like, actually, like, I believe it. Benifer ended midway through this. Like, there was supposed to be additional Mm -hmm. scenes that they wrote out of the movie because they had broken up. So the, that, that might be true. I know that there Mm -hmm. were also scenes though, that they wrote and filmed that were in the movie that they cut out because of the backlash. So Uh at that time, when they first started making it, the fact that Ben Affleck was, he wasn't even dating Jennifer Lopez yet, but like he was, he had worked with her on something and had a connection somehow. And he was able to get her for the movie. And it was huge. It was like, Oh my God, this is a get. I mean, at the time there was like awards chatter in the studio and everything of like, this is going to be the one that like wins awards other than independent spirit awards and stuff. Right. Chasing Amy won a bunch of awards, but like this was going to, you know, this was going to put him on the map in a different, conversation kind of thing. Right. Uh, and he got, so Ben Affleck came back cause they were still like really good friends and, and Ben Affleck wanted, I think, I think like they almost developed it in tandem kind of because it was like, you know, he wrote it for Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck was going to be in it. He got Jennifer Lopez, George Carlin came back to play his, his dad. Um, it was going to be huge. And then somewhere between filming the movie and releasing it, Benefer happened. And mm. the movie Geely came out and tanked and was one of the worst things ever. And that, well, that's what I read is like the yep. uh, they kept Jennifer Lopez out of the promotional materials for this movie they tried. as they much tried. as possible. It was because... already like a known thing, though. Like it was they had already been kind of advertising the like, hey, Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. And then that happened. They were like, get her off the posters, get her off the posters. <laughs> and, and they, uh, uh, e- even cause, cause I think also right in the middle of that, as they became, you know, the Benefer thing, she made the Jenny on the block video where mm-hmm. suddenly Ben Affleck was like on a yacht with her in a bikini and everything. And it was like, right. he went from like this relatable, Southy Boston guy, whatever from Goodwill hunting to suddenly he was like this rich yacht movie star, whatever. And like just instantly backlash, right? The whole world right. was like, we, we were over it the day after it began 
we don't want to see these two anymore, you know, because they were everywhere all at once suddenly. And right. uh, Geely came out and it bombed and they started doing <clears throat> test screens and it did not test well because people did not, uh, again, people, the first half hour of the movie was them two. And it was like, we don't want to see this. We hate right. them. So every, so they kept cutting her scenes out and tightening that first part of the movie right. until they finally got it to test anywhere near where they were hoping it would initially when they added a scene to the very beginning of the movie where you see the little girl in the classroom and then mm-hmm. they flash back. So they, number one was Raquel Castro was testing super well. So they wanted to get her on screen as quickly as possible. And number two, Benifer was testing so poorly that they were mm-hmm. like, condense everything we need to start the story into like right. 90 seconds, kill her and get right. rid of it. <laughs> yeah, I want her dead as soon <laughs> yes, as possible. Yes. He jokes about how at one point he wanted to put on the movie theater or on the movie posters. Don't worry. She's dead in the first five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's because reasonable. like it repelled people. Right. So right. right off the bat, the movie comes out. It was kind of doomed commercially because of that. But personal opinion, I actually really enjoy the movie. I think it's a good movie. I I'm kind of a sucker for like daddy daughter or father son stories. I kind of always have been, I don't know why, but uh, uh, so I think it kind of tells a really good story, not only between Ben Affleck and his daughter, but also between Ben Affleck and George Carlin who plays his dad. Um, I think it's, it's a good script. I think uh, it hits a lot of beats really well. Um, it's funny where it should be. And it's dramatic where it should be. And there's a couple of scenes that get really heavy without being dark. Um, I mean, obviously his wife dies giving childbirth. That's heavy and dark. But later on when he has a big argument with his daughter because he wants to move back to the city and she wants to stay in the suburbs, like he yell, he loses himself for a moment and yells. Actually, before I say that, I should say what the movie's about after a hot shot city boy's wife dies in childbirth he's forced to raise his daughter as a single dad in the suburbs personal growth and drama ensue so he loses himself and he yells you and your mom took my life away and i just want it back you little shit or something like that and you're like like you can feel it like i think they they crushed that scene and like it's it's hard to like not i don't know I've never had a situation like that in no, my right. personal life, but they, they, they pull it off. I think I, it, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm just kind of blabbing and rambling, but it's, it's a long way of saying, I think that they really, they really did this movie well, I think. And I think it, it's unfortunate that it kind of got sold short by the whole Benefer thing. Yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's too bad. I mean, it's like, it, yeah, I didn't, I mean, I, I guess I don't remember the backlash like that, how, how much the public didn't like it, but I don't, I guess I don't, I wasn't really paying attention, but I mean, that's the the other thing I wanted to mention though, is like, is there any better indicator of the kind of movie from the early two thousands, late nineties that has Jason Biggs in a small supporting role where it's just like, I could, I could nail it down to like a five year span where 
it, it I, I could see Jason Biggs like he just pops up in these movies and I'm like oh right Jason Biggs exists <laughs> I forgot all about it like <laughs> I mean oh well, he so was I, in uh Jane Silent Bob's right back too as himself that's right <laughs> he pops right up. that's true he was <laughs> yeah um but yeah, I, well, of course. So this one, I will say, uh, it, besides Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, w- that probably would have been the first movie that came out after I was like a bona fide Kevin Smith fan. So when this mm-hmm. movie came out, it was on my radar, like right. the work up to it. So that's probably why I noticed all those things and was like, oh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. And then by the time it came out, it was like, ugh, Benifer. Right. Like, right. which was like a real thing at the time, but otherwise this movie probably wouldn't even have registered on my, on my radar, but right. it was the next Kevin Smith movie. It was the first one without Jay and silent Bob. So it was like kind of a big deal. If you were a fan, um, I do think, like I said, I think George Carlin and Raquel Castro, the daughter, I think they both nail the roles. I think they kind of steal the show. Um, I'm kind of surprised we didn't see more of that girl. She's still around doing stuff. Apparently I looked her up, hmm. but I think she's like even a pop star or something now, maybe, I don't know, but hmm. she's amazing in the movie. Like she, yeah. she even kind of looks like she could be Jennifer Lopez's daughter. <laughs> like, right. you know, like they cast her perfectly. George Carlin has a bunch of really funny one-liners. Uh, and I think does the the role really good. There was a, uh, when he meets Liv Tyler in the video store, I made a note very dated reference to the video store with the porn section. Oh yes. <laughs> Just oh, something that doesn't exist anymore. And that like, right. I, do people like, do kids these days even know something like that ever existed once? <laughs> like uh, probably not, not, not only a building where you would go in to rent a movie off the shelf and a physical medium to take home for a few days and then return, <laughs> but that there would be like this hidden room in the back where all the porn was. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of those uh those TikToks where the parents will sit a rotary dial phone in the middle of a room and tell their kids that whoever figures out how to dial a phone number first gets a hundred dollars. And it's like <laughs> they they look at they're like, I don't understand. Like this doesn't make any sense. Like, why would it be like this? You know, like that's <laughs> so fucking great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh one other thing I'll say about this movie, though, is uh, the actually there's a couple a couple more things I want to say. One, the Will Smith scene, uh-huh. <laughs> because so the the premise and the plot on this, you know, he's he's basically this like hot shot publicity guy for for musicians and movie stars and whatever. But after his wife dies in childbirth, he's stuck with this infant baby and trying to work while taking care of the baby at the same time. And he basically has like a, he snaps right out of stress. He snaps and he yells something like, you know, this two bit actor is going to be a flash in the pan. Everybody calm down, you know, whatever. And like he blasts his client basically in public at a press conference and therefore he gets fired and loses his job and has to move in with his dad out in the suburbs and all this. And, uh, which by uh, the way, Will Smith yeah, up to this point had been in bad boys, independence yeah. day, yeah. men in black, enemy of the state, Ali men in black Two. And bad boys too. Yes. So like the, the fact that they got Will Smith for this is like a miracle. 
Right. Because well, he was literally the biggest movie star on planet Earth when they made this. He was, and that's that's why it's like so confusing. Like Ben Affleck's take is Will Smith is a nobody. He's never going to become a movie star when in fact he is a movie star. Well, but remember outright. that was a flashback, right? So when he says that it's oh, when, I missed that. I didn't yeah. realize it was a flashback. Okay. When he, when the, when the, uh, his daughter was born, and uh-huh. she's just, you know, it's several years earlier. He was the parents just don't understand rapper turned Fresh Prince of Bel Air. That was it. Right. Like, yeah. so it's supposed to be like he's not a star yet at all. Okay, that makes. He's more a rapper sense. trying to be a movie star, and he's like, "This is ridiculous." fine whatever we'll do it they're paying us to do this and so then of course and and that was the joke of the whole thing right is that even as you're watching it you know that in the present will smith went on to become the biggest right. movie star on earth yeah and therefore this is how stupid he looks right right and then but what i was gonna say was the will so at one point he goes back to the city because he's got a real shot at getting a job back in this business that he was so good at to begin with and as he's sitting in the lobby waiting to get in for the interview, Will Smith sits down next to him, playing himself. Mm-hmm. Not realizing who Ben Affleck's character is, obviously, but Ben Affleck obviously realizes who Will Smith is. And he has this very touching moment where Will Smith kind of puts it in perspective for him of what's really important, which is family. Everything else we just do for our family and for mm-hmm. our kids and whatever. And so he's like, oh, my God, he's right. I don't want to be here. I want to be with my daughter, who he's supposed to be with in that moment. Because she's putting on this like production in her school and he's supposed to be there and he's blowing it off for this. Watching it for this podcast, uh-huh. I discovered that I can no longer see Will Smith the same anymore. Like ever since nope. the infamous slap, as yep. soon as he sits down, I'm like, what an entitled fucking prick. <laughs> like, exactly. <laughs> I, it colors my opinion of him yes. so much. I, I never like I always thought it was a great little thing that will smith did for this movie and now i'm like what a dick <laughs> like i right. can't even look at him the same he's he i mean not to get off on a whole tangent about that whole thing but it's like no, right it's just like the ep- epitome of like this entitled rich hollywood actor you know right and now i now i see it and i'm just like oh, fuck him God. I, I yeah i wish it was somebody else <laughs> i i didn't even like i didn't have super strong opinions on him before that but like after that happened i was like Oh my God. Like I, I can't see him like as like like you're talking about, like in this movie where he's playing this, you know, he's playing Will Smith and he's super likable. He's given yep. life advice, all this shit, and it's like, what the fuck? Like right. I'm the fuck off. Right. So yeah, so the the only other thing I was gonna mention was the uh when they when they do this the Sweeney Todd song no. at the school, what was the production value on that? Like that must have been yeah. a ten thousand dollars set. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I always. I mean, a lot of fucking movies do that, like, and that's, it's just ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what the hell they were thinking, but yeah, I mean, it's. Um, so I guess I've been talking a lot, but what what do you? How did you like this movie? Um, or dislike or dislike? I, I I didn't particularly care for this one. I had never seen it before yesterday when I watched it. And I had the whole Jennifer Lopez dies in the beginning thing spoiled for me. So like that didn't help with 
my perception of this movie. Like I love to not know what's going to happen in a movie. And the, the thing I will say that throughout this movie, I was thinking over and over again is like, I, I get it. Like Ben Affleck is supposed to be the biggest ass face in the fucking world. Like he is supposed Mm -hmm. to be, a douchebag. Right, I mean, he, right. he's just, he's highly unlike, but it's like, they lay it on so thick. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I like my biggest issue is it's like, I knew as soon as he started, like as as started, you, as soon as you started seeing that, that was the kind of guy he was, I was like, okay, so it's, that's what this movie is going to be. It's going to yeah. be about him not being an asshole anymore and learning to not be an asshole. And that's, it, you know, I mean, mm. like, so it's like, I didn't like, I liked, like you said, you know, Carlin and the little girl, I really liked both of them. And I did, I, I felt like Liv Tyler could have been interchangeable with any number mm. of actresses and would have been fine. Yeah. I don't but think it, she was bad, but I don't, she, she certainly didn't steal well, the show or anything. You gotta I mean, get, like, you gotta get that Armageddon reunion. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Gotta, in fact, I, I believe <laughs> that's not a coincidence. Like that's kind of how they got her. I think was like, oh, oh yeah, we'll get them two together again or whatever. Like, right? Okay, I didn't realize that. Again, um, like Ben Affleck had her in his cell phone or something. He was like, I can call her see if she wants to do it. <laughs> right. That's pretty funny. Um. So, yeah, I mean, like, it, like the the like especially the opening scenes where it's like Affleck and Lopez. It's like mm-hmm. their relationship. It's like it's it's not. I realize that relationships aren't going to be all wine and roses, but it's like he's they're not like a good couple. Like they're not like they they just kind of like they seem like they're they're arguing with each other. The only times we see them, we don't like see how much he even values her and like for him to lose her. It, it felt and it's probably because they cut so many of those scenes out, but like. You didn't really. I didn't really feel like losing her was like mm-hmm. this earned moment of grief of like, right, right. Oh no, I can't believe this happened. It was like, well, again, mm-hmm. I think it's it's kind of the a victim of pop culture at the time, right? Like they had to right. suddenly suddenly do this to get her out of the movie, and it. I think the the movie overall suffers a little bit of as a, as a result. So wait, maybe I didn't pick this up when you were talking about it earlier. It was. Was she, was Jennifer Lopez not actually going to die ever in the original cut, or was no, it? No, she, she she was because that, oh, the okay. whole movie is the premise is, is, is on the premise. She yeah, she dies in childbirth, and then you know he has to yeah was, figure out his relationship with his daughter. But the original cut had like a half hour of them falling in right. love and all this stuff, and you like their happy life together and all this stuff, and then you know suddenly they're gonna have a baby and start a family and all this. But because of the ba- the pop culture backlash, it was get her out as quickly as possible because every oh, yeah. second that them two were on screen together, the mm-hmm. audience was getting angrier and angrier and like, right. we hate them. We hate everything about them. And so it was, so they, they basically rewrote the beginning of the movie or at least re-edited it to start with, here's the, the little girl that everybody loves, flashback mm-hmm. to Benefer condense it to like two and a half minutes, get rid of her, get her off screen and then move on with the movie. 
But I think the story arc, to your point, suffers a little bit that way because by the time it happens, it's sort of sudden and probably not the real punch in the gut that it was supposed to be, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It's yeah. what happens when they have to over edit movies. So, right, right, right. <laughs> so, but. even so, like I said, I think in spite of itself, I think it's uh, actually better than it gets credit for being. I give it a B. Um, I felt the end dragged a little bit and then gets a little too cartoonishly happy uh, as they wrap things up. But, uh, uh, and also, you know, they should really go back and make a, version without will smith or like do some some more editing about right. what people don't like these days and like make it someone else you know? <laughs> right but give me a uh, tom hanks give me give me you know these me, these guys give me ryan like, reynolds make it ryan reynolds like right. like he's he's in uh what the two girls in a pizza place or whatever the fuck that move that tv show was that he was in right have it be yes. like he's gonna be a movie star and then he says something bad about him and then he comes back all these years later after deadpool and everybody loves him. <laughs> right. Yes. That, he hasn't that's slapped a good anybody point. yet. No, not yet. Yeah. So um, for me, my rating was a D. I, for, for the issues I've mentioned, I especially, I, I found it difficult to sit and watch. It's like every labored making a point of like, Affleck's an asshole. We're going to make him an asshole. We Mm got to really drive this home. And it's like, I knew I'm like, well, it's only a matter of time before he like sees the error of his ways and changes his mind. And so it's like, yeah. And so it's like, for me, like with this being the premise of the movie, it, it took like, it, it took a very small amount of effort to like, deduce what was going to go on in this movie and it was uh, unfortunately for me it was a little a little too obvious i didn't really feel like they did anything too exciting with it so what's your grade then uh d a d that low i didn't think you'd dislike it that much i because even even with all that i still think it it retains the kevin smith voice with like the jokes about cats you know the, the musical and how he refuses to take her to it because it's so terrible and uh, uh, how she tries to to get George Carlin to like talk him into letting her go see it, and he's like, "It's not even on Broadway anymore." Do you even know what this is? <laughs> like you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, I I can't or won't really defend it too hard though. So I can see where it would fall flat for people. Like I said, I I enjoyed it. So after that, we're gonna skip a few. The next movie he made was Clerks 2. He actually went back to the old characters, went back to the well. But Clerks 2, sequel, I didn't think there was all that much to say about it. Uh, so I, I didn't want really want to spend a whole lot of time on it. Um, the next one after that was Zack and Mary Make a Porno, starring Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks, along with a few others. Uh, again, not... This was kind of stepping back out of the Viewisk universe, but still written and directed by him. Uh, it's kind of a clash of worlds of like him and Seth Rogen, who was huge at the time and who himself had always really wanted to work with Kevin Smith. So it was kind of a, a cool thing. It's a movie that I enjoy, though. Uh, I don't again, didn't choose it to spend a lot of time on it. Uh, I don't think it's fantastic, but I enjoyed it. Uh 
Next was Cop Out, a movie, the mm-hmm. only movie he's ever directed that he did not write, starring Bruce Willis and Tracy Morgan. Fun fact, that was originally written for Mark Wahlberg and uh, uh, Will Ferrell, but they oh. ended up making the other guys instead. Uh-huh. And yep. so, but they still had the script and it was still like they wanted to make the studio wanted to make it. So they got Bruce Willis and uh, Tracy Morgan turned into one of his worst professional experiences of his career, as apparently Bruce Willis was an absolute nightmare to work with and even tried to fight him on set one day uh, while Tracy Morgan was apparently as delightful as you would think Tracy Morgan might be. <laughs> and uh, uh, but it was a bad enough experience and it's really not a very good movie uh, that he vowed after that, that he was never going to direct another movie that he didn't write. Uh, the next one, red state, as I mentioned before, not streaming anywhere. So we didn't, we didn't cover that to go in depth. That said, if you find a way to watch it, I highly encourage you do so because that's the biggest left turn of his entire career. It is (laughs) not a Kevin Smith movie as you would think of a Kevin Smith movie when this came out, it's not funny. It is a very, very dark and very, very disturbing flat out horror movie. It's terrifying. It's horrifying. And it's also like weirdly really good in my opinion. (laughs) But uh, I mean, well, like I should mention like the whole not streaming thing. That's that's another issue. Like if you go to watch Dogma, it's not on streaming, not available for digital purchase whatsoever because of the whole Harvey Weinstein, yeah, whatever language and contracts and him. Well, I think he at some point too, after all the Harvey Weinstein came stuff came out, he declared that he didn't want to make money off those movies anymore, or something weird like that, or what uh, movie he did make, or money he did make, he was going to donate or something like. Because a lot of those, I don't think he did anymore. Like you know, he sold Clerks and he sold you know a lot of these movies. But like, I think to your point, that's one where like that's there's still something going on there. And so he was like, wanted to distance himself from it. There's also, which I don't know if this is true or not, but it's something that I wondered. There's a scene in dogma where they, uh, there's basically a mass shooting in the, Mm -hmm. the movie corporate offices. Right. And I've wondered also if like, that's one of those things in retrospect, they're like, that's, that's a tough scene to watch now in the parlance of our, you know, and 25 years later with that's like, a real thing that happens. Right. Right. So, uh, but I don't know that's just me talking out of my ass, but, um, so yeah, so any red state, if you do get a chance to see it, like check it out, but like oof, buckle up, um, inspired by the Westboro Baptist church. Like, it's like, what if they were not only as horrible of human beings as they are, but, that Fred Phelps guy, what if he was actually like a serial killing murderer at the same time? And that's basically the premise, right? It goes from there. Uh, and it's, it's crazy. Uh, Brandon at random reviews, artwork, theme music, and podcasts are written, performed, recorded, engineered, directed, and produced by Brandon Griffiths in association with Brandon at Random Reviews Entertainment.